You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. So why is it that we need rest? Uh, if you're working all the time, you get run down, you lose your energy, you can't keep up with everything else. Um, you can do it for short periods of time, but then it's just not the same. Like you're not the same as a person, your body's not the same physically, your mind isn't alert. To remain sane, mm-hmm. to you know have time with our own thoughts and our feelings. To work again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just, just to make your life uh, where you, where you got, you can, you can work. You know, you got to rest up to be able to work. Reset your body so you can think straight and you're not gonna drop on your feet. But at the same time, like too much rest can do the same thing to you. Gotta repair your body to go back out and do whatever you're doing again. Um, So tell me, why is rest important? Well, if you don't rest, I mean, how grouchy are you? (laughs) You know, can't work all the time. Uh, You know, you gotta work your body, you gotta rest your mind, you have to, you know, to be round, you have to work and rest and have a little bit of everything. So we could go to work rested and have the bills paid. It's good to be able to decompress, to unwind, to be able to, uh, to process more fully what you've experienced, you know, either through that day or that week, that month, or that year if it's been that long. It's good to be with you. I love that video. We're going we're gonna to come back to that. I mean, it's a, it's a great morning to worship God. Um, and uh, we know that in our, in our worship, God is moving and working. And so we, we pray for that today. Well, the other day I was out uh, shopping. Well, actually, I was at a deli counter, a deli counter, and I was... Uh, buying some roasted oven turkey, some roasted oven turkey, which I love. And I was talking to the two employees behind there in, in their deli uniforms. We're having a good conversation. And then all of a sudden, I hear a voice from behind us saying, hi, Chad. Hi, Melissa. And I'm kind of taken aback because he's loud. And I turn around, and he's, he's not in a uniform. And so I assume, I assume that he's a non-employee type of friend. And then I see him go into the back into the back of the store. And so Chad says to me, not in a mean way, but he says, you know, when he dies, his ghost is still going to run this place. (laughs) Yeah. Does he ever take a break? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, but it, it really, it really got me to thinking. It got me to thinking that commitment's a good thing in work. And, and this gentleman really looked, you know, committed, but can we be too committed. And then it's, we know it's work is a gift, a gift from God. And it's good to work with excellence as if we honor God when, when we work with excellence. But then again, we're created, created for so much more. And then contrast what Chad says to what Jesus says. And Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. All right. Thank you, Jesus. And now today, today we're going to explore 
as we continue this series, God, I've got a question. We're going to explore why rest. And that video is excellent. Thank you for the team that creates it. And those responses are good, but they're incomplete because rest, rest matters to God, really matters to God. And yet, we are often restless or can be. And then why is that and what is rest really? Now, last week, Pastor Bob took us through the, uh, the work question and why does it really matter? And we learned that, that it matters and it's important to follow Jesus all the time and try to live in a healthy tension between overwork and underwork and try to live unhurried but with intentionality. And then Jesus rests too. And by the way, uh, Roxanne this morning was telling me that in God's providence, uh, she believes that I'm very qualified to talk about rest. Now, uh, I'm just going to say thank you, God, and thank you, Roxanne. So, um, yeah, and so as we, as we begin this morning, I'd like you to, uh, to help me out and just do a quick survey. It's going to be a private poll, confidential survey. And so to do that, we'll close our eyes, and I'll ask you four quick questions, and then I'll get back to you. How's that? Okay. First question, so you can close your eyes, so you can, you can feel free to, to raise your hand. First question, have you spent most of your life, or, over, or are you now, overworking? All right. And have you, for most of your life, or are you now, underworking? All right, thank you. And do you hurry too much in life? Last question, you're doing great. Um, last question, do you believe in rest? <laughs> All right, thank you. Hey, that, that, was, uh, that was great, thanks for doing that. So today, we're going to begin with a, with a big picture, the big picture of a, of a people, of a culture that we know that we're, most, we're among the most productive on earth. And so again, we're talking about rest, and if this, I can tell you a little caveat here, if this doesn't directly apply to you, it will to somebody in your life, either now or in the future, a friend or a loved one. We're to know what's going on in our culture as followers of Jesus, and then we're to help people, including ourselves, to transform lives. So, let's begin with the big picture. More than one-third of Americans don't get enough sleep. So that's tens of millions of people, adults. And that's defined by seven hours. So more than a third of people get less than seven hours. And we know the, the science uh, suggests strongly that the lack of sleep contributes to all kinds of chronic conditions, from heart disease to obesity to high blood pressure and so forth, okay? And then the next uh, figure, if you will, on, on the big picture in the culture is 75%. 75% of Americans that get paid time off don't take it. And so why is that? Well, two of the main reasons are that people are afraid or insecure. One, to leave their job because they're afraid nobody else can do it or do it as well as them. Or they're afraid somebody will take their job because they may do it better. All right? And then, uh, well, I'll tell you what, this reminds me of a story I was at Panera the other day. No, no. 
Uh, yeah, I was. Okay. But I was in Rolla. New turf. Um, so <laughs> I, I was in Rolla, and I'm just minding my, well, kind of minding my own business. I'm on my way to a Sabbath, a, a, a ancestry day, studying ancestry with cousins, enjoying myself. And, but I'm in Raleigh having a breakfast sandwich, and so I'm just sitting there and listening. And at the table next to me, these three business people, two men and a, and a woman, got their PCs, and they're doing their business. And all of a sudden, I hear the one man say, yeah, we didn't take our vacation this year. And I'm like, thank you, God. And I said, and I, so I said, yeah, I should go over and talk to them. And so I did, after I got done eating and said, would you mind if, if I asked you a question? I'm not trying to be weird or anything. They looked at me like I was weird. I mean, I was like, and then I said, so, and then I was like, I'm doing research. And uh, I just like to know, I think maybe I heard you say that uh, um, you didn't take your vacation. And he goes, yeah, we didn't take our vacation because we had to pay for our kids' tonsillectomy. And I'm like, yeah, okay, because economics, economics also play into why we don't take vacations or time off. There's lots of different reasons. And yet science tells us, science tells us that we need to rest. It's how we're created. It's for our effectiveness, for our creativity. And like the uh, folks in the video said, just lots of really, really good reasons. All right. And so I would say also that if we're honest with ourselves, that we have lived or, or may be living, I know I have, to primarily produce and consume. And those aren't necessarily bad things. I mean, we need to create things and we need to consume things. But I know for me, the culture taught me to do those really well and has bombarded me with uh, advertising. And I got, you know, I've been really good at producing and consuming. And before you know it, you can find yourselves mindlessly I was going to say that's easy for me, but I shouldn't have said that. And uh, you can mindlessly be drifting into a place that that's what you think you're created for. And yet we're created for so much more. And then there's lots of distractions and disruptors. And a lot of those aren't bad in our culture. It's an amazing time to be alive. We know this. And so what do you think the greatest disruptor of our time is in this time? Bingo. Yeah, actually, it's, it's these. And these, these cell phones are amazing gifts to innovation, productivity, connection. But we know that with them comes great burdens, too. That, yeah, 95% of Americans own this. That's not probably startling. 50% never turn them, turn them off. I'm kind of in that category. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And, and also, then... Most Americans use these as their alarm clock. How many of you might use these as your alarm clock? Yeah, quite a few. And so the, the challenge with that is that when we use them for an alarm clock, they're right there, right? They're next to us. It's one more temptation, if, if we're not careful, to check email or to swipe an app. And, all, and then science also suggests that, that this light emanating from this keeps our brains alert when we should be resting and recovering. All right. Well, now all that was uplifting, I know. <laughs> so, so now let's talk. So those are the disruptions. Now let's talk, about, let's talk about the greater disruptor, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus came 
and turned the world upside down, right? From his teaching, his healing, his preaching. He's changing things. He's talking about rest in a culture that's immersed in work to the point of devaluating human beings, to, yeah, devaluizing them, to the point of slavery. And Jesus is talking about rest, and he talks about it a lot. And people are interested. And in fact, we know that Jesus saves people from, from themselves to include us, as he talks about, talks about rest. So now let's hear from Jesus, the, the words from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, uh, several verses, and we'll, and we'll chat about these. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So what Jesus does here, he begins with taking care of his disciples first and telling them to rest. Because what we know in the scripture right before this, the scripture right before this, that Jesus has sent his disciples out and they had been at work and on mission and they had done great things. And then they had come back and they were, they were excited and, and now people knew about them more and people were hurrying to see them again. And Jesus said, slow down, slow down, pace yourselves. And what they don't know, but Jesus does know is that they're about to get another mission. And they've got to rest because does anybody know what the, what's about to happen next for them? Well, they're about to have a, a party, a dinner for about 5,000 people. And so as they feed the 5,000, they're coming out of rest. That Jesus, you know, he doesn't ask them to rest. He says, come. He tells them to rest. It's this Jesus that reorients. Jesus reorients our world and our lives. And Jesus, he models the Father, that it begins with rest. That God, he, God intended rest from the beginning. The creation story, as we know, on the sixth day, the sixth day that God creates us. And what happens the next day? God rests. And the first thing we do is we rest with God. We rest before we work in this rhythm, in this rhythm of life that God has created. And so we work out of our rest. And so now let's hear that scripture from Genesis. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, 
he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so, for you and me, is rest part of our story? It's part of God's story, and we have to ask as followers of Jesus, is it part of our story? Do we reflect and honor and glorify God in resting too? Resting is primary. And then there's Moses, Moses who, who comes out of the, uh, well, he goes into the Sinai, and in that journey, he receives from God the rules of life that we know to live by. And, the, the, and most of us do most of these, obey these most of the time. We do these, this wisdom from God. For example, and we know the, the sixth rule, if you will, uh, is not to kill. And so we don't do that. But the fourth one, the fourth one is about the Sabbath and, and being, um, setting it apart and being holy, setting it apart uh, for God and to rest. And I, and I will tell you, for me, that if behavior speaks to what you really believe, what you really believe, for at least half of my life, I've just considered that a suggestion. And I'm not proud of that, but that's the truth. And so now let's hear what God said to Moses from Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. All right. So now, what is Sabbath? What is Sabbath? Well, as, as we heard from Pastor Bob a little bit earlier as he was uh, preparing us uh, for worship, I mean, Sabbath is really about rest. It's also a time to worship. It's a time to invest in a relationship, a relationship with God and others away from work, away from work. It's a time to enjoy God and to be with God. And again, this thing that we that it can be so hard for us to do, which is to be away from our work. Now, for some of us, some of us, it's not enough to know. It's not enough to know what to do. In fact, I would say for most of us, we've got to see somebody and practice it. We've got to practice it to become part of our life, to really live it. And so for me, um, this, I'm not just patronizing. I just want to talk about Pastor Bob. Is he, is he back here um, for a minute? All right. Uh, Pastor Bob is a leader, and leaders model what is crucial. And Pastor Bob honors the Sabbath. And I've really learned from him with his integrity about how important that is. Because I know when I came to serve here, um, I mean, I just didn't get that. I mean, I, I knew. And then as you watch people, and again, especially leaders, you begin to know that that's really important. And you also then have permission to do it or you're expected to do it. And so I know in serving here and with a person who really models it as a leader, and you are all leaders somewhere, either in your families, your workplaces, you have a sphere of influence. 
It's really important to model it. And so for me, it really helped me to come here because and Pastor Bob and the understanding of Sabbath has really helped me with my restless soul. And then why are we restless? Why are we restless? Well, I believe, and I'm going to share a little bit here with you, a little bit more depth, but I believe, and I know it's true for me, is that it's based in anxiety and insecurity and fear. Sometimes it's the fear of missing out. There's too many good things to do, and we, and we choose stuff like busyness. And so there's a lot that can, that can uh, really makes us, makes us anxious, that feeds into that. But I believe anxiety is one of the biggest reasons. And so you see on the screen there, and it's from a book, and I'll take us through this, a couple, couple ways to view the world. And I viewed the first one fir first, that makes sense, and then we'll talk about the second one. A book called The Unhurried Life by Alan Fadling. And Alan, uh, it's a really great book, uh, really wise words. And so the first view of the world that we can live into is counterfeit, if you will. It's not the biblical rhythm. It's not reality the way that God intended it. And so in the middle, we have anxiety. And it's a vicious cycle of ungrace. For me, I didn't really know about God's grace. And uh, so you, you, didn't really, you don't really know what you know. Although I can't say I didn't know about the fourth commandment. But I didn't really understand God's grace. And at the top then, you see there's being driven and achieving. And again, those aren't necessarily, I mean, those can be really good things to have drive and ambition and achieve. I mean, but then without understanding the middle and God, which we'll get to, you view the world as work as demanded, work as demanded, not a gift, rest as deserved. And so you get into this cycle and then what we do and what I've done is you can get into this mind numbing escape. You escape. So resting is choosing, is choosing to believe in God's grace, and it's a choice. And one of the things that I really love, and it's really helped me, and I believe it more and more, and I thought about this the other day, and so I'm going to show it. It's on the walls at Mercy. And there was a time when I, and, and I was able to just go to it immediately the other day. It kind of surprised me, but I think it was God's grace. I thought about it. And it's on the fourth floor. And every time I've walked by this, over the years, it gives me more and more comfort. The Lord provides for his beloved even when they sleep. Bob referred to that last week. And that gives me great comfort, and I believe that. It's not all up to me. This God, this God is working. All right, and let's go to the other way to view the world. The other way to view the world is to have trust. Trust that God will provide. God cares for us. And that's in the middle. It's a life cycle of grace. And we begin at the bottom with Sabbath, with rest. Rest is primary. And out of rest, out of rest comes ministry and work where we feel refreshed. And work is given. It's a gift. Work is a gift. And rest is a gift too. When I came to believe and understand that second cycle, that's when I began to have peace and hope. That vicious cycle 
doesn't give you those. This world worldview of God's grace changes everything, everything, or at least it did for me. All right. So the, the question is, what worldview do we live out of? And what are others living out of? We need to think about that. And now what is rest? Well, we know, generally we know what rest isn't. I mean, we know, at least in life for me, rest is not hours of TV that's mind-numbing. I mean, it can be a form of escape, but it's really not restful. You can actually feel more fatigued. We also know that it's not uh, eating comfort food at 11 o'clock at night. Been there, done that. That's not rest either. Feel worse the next day. What rest is, and resting in the Lord, there's things such as a holy leisure, and holy leisure gives us life, fills us up. Unholy leisure drains us. So an example for me, and I'll use Roxanne and I, for me would be, for example, when Roxanne and I go on a hike, even though I'm moving, I'm enjoying the gift of companionship. So it's contextual, it's depend, it depends. I'm enjoying companionship and, and the beauty of nature. And for Roxanne, she loves the garden. She was in the garden out here at uh, 7 o'clock this morning. And that gives her life. It depends. It fills her up. She's away from her patients. She, she serves in healthcare. So it depends. What is it? What is it for you? But rest really requires us. It really requires us to, to surrender. We're not good at surrendering. Generally, I'm not. So surrender to God, to Sabbath. Uh, Thomas Merton, a theologian, said that one of the most courageous things we can do is actually there's times that we just need to be still and do nothing. And he said for most of us or a lot of us, that's, we just can't do that. I mean, why would we do that? I mean, that's, that's wasting time. He said that's an act of courage. And we, we have a quote here that actually um, talks about uh, as rest is an, an, isn't passive, that rest isn't really passive. It's, a, it's an act of resistance. It's an act of resistance to the culture. And choice, busyness, is always, can be very much a decisions, just decisions that we're making. Rest involves doing the want-tos and not the have-tos. We have to figure out, we have to order our life in a way where we get to the want-tos and not the have-tos. And that takes wisdom and resolution to do that. So I can tell you as we, as we begin to wrap this up this morning, and I'm still learning to rest. And the ways that I've learned to rest, and I've had to find these, because I've only really been doing these for a few years, is, and, some, and many of you know this, is that kayaking to get away on a Sabbath, a kayaking, which uh, Roxanne and I try to do as much as we can with, and also with other people. Also hiking to get away, to get away. And, and Roxanne and I, there on the Camino recently that um, in Spain and we hiked, but we were away from work and totally getting refreshed and experiencing God. It was a pilgrimage. We sang about pilgrims. It was, it was unbelievable. And I thank God that I serve at a place that expects us to have those experiences and values those experiences. And so I'm learning to plan days like that. And I have to remind myself that those are so important to me, for my health, the people around me, but they're important to God too. And just real quickly, 
Well, first I've got to, and before I do that, what is it for you? What is it for you? Took me a while to find those, and there's others, but what is it for you that really gives you rest and fills you up and plan those? And so real quickly, I just want to mention, I saw this interview last week about Roger Federer, who just won the Wimbledon. And he talked about his rhythm of, he's a devout Catholic, his rhythm of work and rest. He's getting older. And so he said, I, I rest more and it fills me up. I don't try to push through. I trust. I have faith. And I was like, wow, there's wisdom. Oldest guy to win his eighth Wimbledon because of his rhythm with God. And so now, as we do begin to, uh, to wrap this up, what's, well, we know what God's theology of rest is, but what's yours, really? What's yours and mine? Well, I have to speak to just quickly, too. What's this? If you're in a season of busyness, just make it a season. There are times where work is really good, but it's really demanding. It could be a lot of different things. It could be opening a restaurant. Could be a lot of things, a lot of good things. Or it could be some really tough things, lots of overtime. You gotta think those through. But if you're in a season, just make it a season. Don't make it a lifestyle. Okay, here's some practical takeaways and a challenge. And the first would be consider buying an alarm clock. A lot of you, a lot of you, it's kind of crazy, or break that thing out again. If that phone is distracting you, Research says that that's helpful. Put the phone in the other room. For me, I just forget where it's at and uh, misplace it. And so I don't have to look, you know, I have to find it. But, and then the other was you got to plan. We talked about planning. Plan your leisure, just like you plan everything else. We're good planners in this culture. And then learn. Learn from others. Also, a couple websites. One Heart's Journey and Learning to Rest, Sabbath Manifesto. If you like to look online, read, learn, here's a couple. And lastly... What I would say, what I would say and implore us is to live it. Live the Sabbath the way God intended. People are watching. And as Christians, it may be the most distinctive thing we can do. Where people can say, wow, they trust God. You know, I'm not trying to be um, flippant or anything, but they trust God enough to rest and enjoy and reflect God's glory to enjoy God in our rest. We've been talking about uh, this booklet, which is available outside, To Sow a Great Awakening. I think as a people in this nation, I think as a people in this nation, we need to also wake up to the Sabbath. And what does that really mean? And to live it, to live it, wake up to the Sabbath. And finally, let's look at, well, we're not going to look at that video again, but in that video we saw, we saw five men, four women, one was a couple. And those people have great responses. But they are beloved of God. And rest matters to God, and I don't know if they know that. And rest for you, you matter to God more than you can imagine. So I would tell you and me to embrace the gift of rest, embrace Jesus Christ, and let's live well. Amen? Amen. All right.